Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to The Lab. This is 538's NBA podcast for May the 3rd, 2018. My name's Neil Payne. I write about sports for 538. I will be your host as always, and I'm joined in studio by fellow 538 basketball wizard Kyle Wagner. Hey Kyle. Hey Neil. Our other usual co-podcaster Chris Herring is still away. Uh, we're, we're awaiting his return, but while we do, uh, we gotta talk conference semifinals today's show we're going to discuss one series that's tied up at one game apiece after the utah jazz beat the houston rockets last night and we'll also dive into toronto and cleveland kind of dissect a little bit about that crazy game one and talk about the series going forward as they prepare for game two tonight uh but first let's do some of our quick takes kyle uh first we're going to talk about the Warriors and the Pelicans and, you know, Steph Curry came back. The Pelicans kept it, you know, pretty competitive, uh, for the most part, but it was still too much Warriors. Uh, what, what chance do you give the Pelicans of turning this around as they go back to New Orleans? Uh, not too much chance of winning the series. I mean, they do look like they might take a game when they go back to New Orleans. Rondo played much better, went the same eight for 15 that Curry did, um, in more minutes, whatever. Curry looked great. Um, but but no, like they kept this close uh, with Curry coming back and playing very well. So yeah, it's it was closer. But no, if they're going back down 0-2 when you know Curry missed a game and uh, then they had him coming back from injury, like it's it's hard to see them pulling out like a series win here. Yeah, we talked early in that series about how important it would be for New Orleans to just steal one game, preferably one with Curry out, or maybe take advantage of if Curry came back rusty and he didn't really look that rusty at all. Didn't look like a guy who had missed, you know, however many weeks, six weeks or, or whatever, or more maybe. Um, he uh, The Warriors had a 130 offensive rating. That's 130 points per 100 possessions while he was on the court in game two. So it's a, it's a scary team uh, looking scarier than ever. Uh, let's talk about the other series that we're going to do quick thoughts on, and that is Boston and Philadelphia. We uh, extolled the virtues of Philly, t- you know, talked them up real good in the last episode. And of course, Boston comes out and and wins game one. Should we just give Brad Stevens coach of the decade uh, at this point? Uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? And and what stood out to you about game one that that might persist going forward? I mean, Brad Stevens or Larry Brown because they played the Shaq defense on him in that game. Uh, Embiid that on Joel is. Embiid. I like Embiid. Like so, Embiid just like can walk through Aaron Baines. Embiid can just walk through Al Horford, and he did so. Um, and he you know scored what thirty one. But the Celtics also uh, held Philly to you know fewer uh, three point attempts than they usually did. Didn't shoot well at all, and they just swarmed the perimeter. Yeah, we talked a lot about the Philly shooters stepping up so big in that first round series, and they really didn't do that in in game one. And we should also say that the Sixers had a negative twenty three net rating with Ben Simmons on the court, uh, which I think kind of spoke to some of the ways in which Boston was able to kind of neutralize him and and throw him off his game. Yeah, they were throwing a lot of uh, they were throwing a lot of looks at him. The the one that uh, I uh, was hoping that they would do was just just let Horford sit on him when that switch happens, because uh, Horford can Horford can stay with him. He's been you know switching on to point guards all season. Uh, that worked out pretty well for them. Uh, and this looks bad because also Jalen Brown didn't play. <laughs> like yeah, uh, and like, probably won't play game two. Right. Also, I think I saw a report to that effect. So the quote on that is: Here's Brad Stevens. Uh, the bottom line is the hamstring injury. Uh, with his hamstring injury, it's not terrible. It's not a long-term thing. It shouldn't linger if he comes back at the right time. But you can make it worse if you don't come back at the right time. Yada yada yada. Chasing around uh, JJ Redick or Marco Bellinelli. Uh, basically, like he's just running around uh, the floor, just chasing all these Philly guards. 
uh, like we just talked about, where they're asking a lot of these perimeter defenders in this series. So, yeah, like, presumably, like, he wanted to come back for game one. A few days ago, he promised he'd be back for game two, uh, but it's not really up to him. Yeah. Uh, but, but if he does, like, th- yeah, that looks even worse. They have, <laughs> then they have Jalen Brown out there, uh, harassing those guys too. Right. Yeah. And, and especially if they're going to get the production that they got out of Terry Rozier, who just seems to be gaining power as he goes deeper and deeper into the playoffs. It's, it's actually been kind of amazing. You know, he, I, I think of him as kind of a lab favorite. We talked about him earlier in the season, uh, as he was kind of having this breakout regular season and he's grown even further, uh, in, in the absence of Kyrie Irving. So it's kind of cool to see a player like that sort of grow and learn on the fly and kind of have the star turn in the playoffs at all times. Okay. Uh, uh, let's move on to the main topics of the show. Uh, first up, let's talk about the game that happened uh, a couple days ago, uh, Toronto and Cleveland. Toronto looked like they had that one in the bag. They led by 10 points with 10 minutes left in the game. And then just, I don't know if it's a Raptors thing or what, but they had one of the most devastating fourth quarters I can remember a team ever having in the playoffs. Uh, they shot 20% from the floor in the fourth quarter, but the bigger thing was they shot only three for 17 from the restricted area alone. They missed 14 shots in the restricted area, many of them on second chance, you know, kind of put back attempts. Uh, I, I think in our third chance. Yes. Uh, well, I, chance. I referenced Charles Smith for all the uh, uh, old school 90s Knicks fans out there uh, <laughs> in regard to some of those Valanciunas plays, but those 14 misses that they had in the restricted area were actually the most by any team in any quarter of a playoff game in the last 20 years, according to our friends at ESPN Stats and Information Group. So on the one hand, if you're Toronto, you can look at that and say, look, we should have won this game objectively if we just didn't, you know, kind of mess ourselves up or have bad luck or whatever you want to attribute it to. We put ourselves in a position to win that game, and it wasn't like Cleveland was denying them good looks or anything like that. Uh, and so you have to think that that will even out going forward. On the other hand, if you're Cleveland, you just stole a road game in a series against a team that you've eliminated from the playoffs each of the past two years and a team that specifically had you in the crosshairs was working to have home court in this very series all year long and they just threw it away you stole it away from them so kyle what do you think about this series uh first of all what did you think of game one and what do you think going forward all right so this looks bad uh for a number of reasons for the raptors yes yes uh, because they were rested and LeBron had just come off playing seven games of just do, basically do 48 everything. minutes a night almost in those games. Yeah. And he comes into this one, plays, he plays 47 minutes in the overtime win and, you know, he's not, you know, as good as he was in the other series. He's 12 for 30, still very good, but he's getting nothing from the entire rest of the team. Like J.R. Smith finally had a good game. Like Kyle Korver, like had another 19 point game, but that 20 point game from J.R. Smith, we talked about this a little bit last time. First 20 point game of any LeBron teammate this series or right. this playoff and we should say they uh, his teammates did you know it's kind of a low bar to clear after the way that they pretty much didn't show up at all in the first round but they did play better in this game specifically they shot better uh some of them well, so LeBron himself shot extremely poorly from the outside. And if you take away his numbers, uh, they shot 48% from three, which was sort of the hallmark of how they were able to beat Toronto in years past is you did have J.R. Smith, you had Kevin Love, you have uh, guys like that just blitz them from the outside. And so Toronto, maybe they were going into this game thinking, you know, based on what they saw of Cleveland against Indiana, that won't happen again. You know, our, the things that made up our nightmares are kind of over. And then it happens again. 
Right. So I'm saying like some of them showed up because like if we're going to talk about the Cleveland side of this, the only person we're talking about is Kevin Love, where Kevin Love was three for 13 in this game on the playoffs. He's shooting 32 percent overall. He's shooting 38, 39 percent from three, which is still good. But that that goes to show like that is his role on this team now. And like he just isn't providing the the second scorer opportunities that that we thought he would. Meanwhile, Tristan Thompson has kind of slid into that big man role and produced uh, at least in the last two games in a way that he hasn't produced in a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so, so LeBron like brought Tristan back from the grave, shook off you know the the Chris Jenner, whatever. But what he did, what he's not doing, and what he can't do, that you're not going to ask Tristan Thompson to do, is to be the second creator, to be the guy who's you know initiating offense, who the the ball runs through, like whether you're giving it to him at the elbow or whatever. And we expected elbow touches from Kevin Love this season. We expected more post touches, like either high or low post. We expected more things out of him. His post touches have actually fallen of his overall uh, possessions. He's down to 12% of his possessions are in the post, uh, either high or low, down from 15 last season. As the share of overall possessions on uh, when Love is on the court, like so not just Love's own offense, like Love getting the ball like that overall for the team offense, also down, also down more than that. And that's just baffling when you think about what they lost. Like they need that second scorer right now. They need someone else to do something else. But like they haven't gotten that from Love. And I mean, so I I harp on this all the time. Uh, yes, Kevin Love, like, it did run through the elbow with him in Minnesota. It did run through a lot. But, like, also a lot of that just initiated by Rubio. Like, Rubio was just changing the dimensions of the defense before it got to Love. And, yeah, like, he just doesn't have that. Like, they play a very different style of pick and roll. And Love is just, like, in this four seasons has not been as effective at that. So do you think Cleveland has truly kind of started to turn a corner? I, we were pretty hard on them in uh, in the last episode based on how they looked against Indiana. And I mean, it seems from where I'm sitting, not to not to still be negative on them, but like they were lucky to win that game. Certainly they executed down the stretch and uh, especially in defense and Toronto just flat out didn't. But is that something that we can kind of if you're Toronto, are you looking at this and saying it's a one-time thing, I guess, or uh, are you actually kind of feeling worried now that this cat, aside from maybe the mental uh, bugaboo of knowing that this is the Cavs and, and they have sort of that, they've hung over this team, I guess, for a while. I mean, so yeah, if you, so, this is a one-point game. This is a one-point overtime game. Van Vliet had the open look at the end of regulation. Uh, Valanciunas had all the looks at the end of the game. And the Cavs did not lead for a single moment of and, regulation. And not just that. The 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 flagrant uh, that was just added by the league office uh, after the fact, where Love just elbowed DeRozan in the head near the end of regulation, and the Raptors would have had uh, shots and the ball up two, I think. Uh, and then, like, LeBron hits a shot, like, just after that with 30 seconds left, that changes the fabric of a one-point overtime game. Pretty much any – if any of those plays down the stretch go differently for Toronto, they win that game. Or or, or just uh, – so, yeah, like, Smith had the good game. Corver had the good game. They've done that before. Jeff Green doesn't miss a shot all game. It gives you 16 points, 7 for 8 from the line. Like, these are things that, like, yeah, if you're if you're Toronto, you can look at and be like, yeah, we lost that in the margins. We lost that on, like, things that we don't expect to happen again. But also, they've been doing that for seven straight games now. So, I mean, like, it's tough to, to put it all on that. But, yeah, like, this is not a good Cavaliers team. They've found a way to win this one. Uh, but But if I'm Toronto, I'm not worried too much. 
Okay, let's pivot to talk about the last series that we haven't talked about yet, and that would be Houston and Utah. Houston won game one relatively comfortably. It looked like kind of a clinical, typical Rockets win. Uh, and Utah in game two came out to a huge lead. They weathered a huge comeback by the Rockets to bring the game back to a tie. I believe it was in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then they just pulled away late. So, Kyle, the Rockets' chances of winning the series went from 76%, according to our ELO model, which loves the Rockets, by the way, down to 62% with that home loss against the Jazz. Should we be worried about the Rockets? I know you uh, and I have talked in particular about this Rockets team as being, you know, one of these sort of historically great teams. It was a historically great regular season for them. They seem to be on the same level as championship teams from the past. But of course, this being the Rockets, uh, a team that sort of has had its issues in the playoffs, sort of a checkered record in the playoffs. Is this cause for concern or is this just something that happens and and the rockets will be okay i mean absolutely it's some cause for concern uh they just dropped a home game to in the second round like that is uh almost always cause for concern mike d'antoni's trying to spin it like we got lulled to sleep by kind of walking it in in game one which you know i I can see something to that but eric gordon uh has been bad all playoffs he's shooting 31 percent from the floor for the playoffs 31 percent from three for the playoffs and he was bad again. Like, he was 5 for 16 in this game after going 0 for 6 in game 1. And, like, so Eric Gordon has been, like, a key contributor to this team going back to last season and this season. If he's off, and, like, also Chris Paul looked a little bit off in that game also, uh, that fundamentally changes, like, your your presumptions about the team. Like, you're, you're presuming that they are playing, you know, to the level of their underlying metrics. But if something's changing there, if, if Eric Gordon, if Chris Paul are performing, you know, less than like what they have been all season when they've, you know, run up those things, then, then yeah, in a seven game series, uh, that's absolutely something to be look concerned about. And, uh, from the Jazz perspective, this seemed almost sort of a Rockets-esque style of, of play that they used to win. Uh, obviously, they played great defense. In fact, they short-circuited the Rockets uh, on a bunch of possessions down the stretch that really defined that game. But on offense, they made 15 three-pointers, and they held the Rockets to only 10 three-pointers. That's one of the only times, I think, all season in which a team had that kind of a three-pointers made margin over the Rockets, uh, and and especially you see like Joe Ingles go seven for nine uh, from deep. Jay Crowder go three for six, made a couple of really ridiculous shots, uh, and a lot of these shots were set up by Donovan Mitchell, almost in like a Harden esque role. You know, he um, he he set up the whole offense, uh, and so to me that seemed almost like beating the Rockets at their own game. But I'm not totally sure that the Jazz can can sustain it going forward. I mean, so we're going to have to see because, like, we have to see what Donovan Mitchell actually is capable of when he's running the offense like this. And, like, th- this is the thing people have been saying about saying about him all season is he's a fast learner. Like, he goes out there, he sees sees a defense once, uh, he gets beat up, he comes back the next time, and it looks a lot better. You saw that in this series. So in game one, Donovan Mitchell running the pick and roll was 88 points per 100 possession. This one, 104. Uh, overall, as a team, that went from 81 to 100, just 100 flat. And so, like, the, the pick and roll was just what changed about this offense in, in this game, where in the first game, Mitchell couldn't really turn the corner, couldn't really, uh, just like, he was just getting swarmed. And in this game, 
they just were running favors on the baseline a little bit more. Like Gobert was, you know, kind of coming out, but they weren't you know, doing it quite so early. And he's able to get in there. And the, the key is Gobert is able to pull Capella out there because Capella is supposed to be helping on that pick and roll. He doesn't just sit back like a lot of bigs. And if Capella's out there on Gobert, Gobert's not a threat to do that. Like Favors is not really a threat to be out there, but like they're sending those bigs out there. So if Mitchell turns the corner, then all of a sudden, Oh, like everything opens up. Like he's, he's creating, he's creating chaos by just throwing James Harden passes where when they, they trap him outside and like there's, there are two defenders looking at him. Uh, he's just throwing that, that pass right down the pipe that, that Harden throws like the long pass into the, the center, you know? Yeah. And he's, he threw that to Gobert and he threw that to Favors also, uh, where they're just running to space. They're finding pockets kind of like you do when Rubio's on the floor. And Dante Exum just showing that he can find you like that. Yeah. And Dante Exum was, was pretty huge at both ends. Um, he, he played great defense in that run that we, that we talked about late in the game and also knocked down uh, a couple huge shots as well. And, and uh, this Utah team does seem to have these guys uh, kind of coming out of the woodwork. We've known about Ingles. We've known about uh, a lot of these guys. But, you know, Royce O'Neal is uh, is playing big minutes for this team. Jay Crowder has sort of redefined himself after the rough uh, play that he had in Cleveland as really quality contributor uh, for the Jazz. And I do think so much of it comes to Mitchell. You talked about, um, uh, you know, him throwing Harden-esque passes. I mean, he's also just chucking those lobs up there uh, and, and creating a lot of these dunks and a lot, you know, finding angles in the corner. And it does seem, you know, like they're clicking on offense in a way that if this team that's this good defensively manages to find that gear also, uh, it does kind of suggest that the Rockets could be in for more of a handful than they thought they would be and maybe we thought they would be going into the series one thing i will say is that uh this does seem like a thing that can be like it's it's a playoff series so like the schemes are going to change a little bit and so in this game where like that specific defense is being exploited because it wasn't just mitchell it was it was also ingles when ingles is running that pick and roll uh they were doing a lot of the same things and so yeah mitchell's a special player ingles is a very good player he's a very good player uh, he's not as special on the pick and roll. Like you don't expect him to be to be cutting up, especially this Rockets defense. And he also had like very good numbers from out there. Let me look. He he was at 105 points per hundred possession running the pick and roll. Like there was just something wrong with that defense last night, where the Jazz just figured out, oh no, they're gonna come up on it like this. We're going to we're gonna send our bigs down this way. If they don't, then we're gonna you know run it down there and just find something on the baseline. Uh, that's not going to be the case all series. It shouldn't be, at least. Uh, so, so I could see this uh, coming back the other way, and the Jazz will have to find something else. But for now, like, yeah, that would that looked bad. <laughs> And you also you mentioned Mitchell kind of learning on the on the fly, and we spoke last episode about how he was going to have to take on more of the distributing role and the kind of initiating role with Ricky Rubio out. Uh, it paid dividends in Game Two, and I'm wondering, you know, we we don't know about Rubio's status. He's out. Uh, he probably won't be able to be back until very late in the series, if at all. Uh, but it it does kind of speak to the fact that this team. They showed what they could do with Rubio, and he was very important in that series against Oklahoma City. Now they're learning a different style and, and having to kind of figure out different things, but maybe that's good in terms of diversifying the ways that they can beat you. 
Yeah, I mean the that that's the big thing. Like the different ways they can beat you because we expected them to to be able to give the 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 Rockets a little more than they gave them in the regular season on defense. Like the that that was that was the stat coming in. Like the that the Rockets had scored like just a preposterous amount of points against this defense during the regular season, uh, and it's come back a little bit to form, uh, especially in game two. But if Mitchell can then beat you, like distributing and passing, shooting, uh, and then Rubio comes back and, you know, Mitchell can move back off the ball a little bit. Yeah. Then like all of a sudden they look like a more like fully kind of situated team. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's important not to overreact to one game, uh, even as impressive as the Jazz were in that win on the road. Uh, like, we pointed out and others going into the series that the season series was swept by the Rockets, uh, by, and like you mentioned, by not a, uh, a small margin either. Uh, and we still have the Rockets as favorites to win the title, 38% according to the Carmelo ratings. And, and again, this is um, a number that... You know, people have taken issue with during the season as to whether the Rockets should be favored quite so much over the Warriors. That number is definitely down. Uh, the Warriors are second in our uh, NBA championship odds right now, down at 16%. I think that that's quite a bit too low uh, still, but uh, it, it is worth saying that the Rockets are still the favorites, I think. Yeah, I mean, Carmelo has its favorites where, uh, the, the Sixers are, they loves them and they, they're, I think they're still big favorites in that series. It also uh, loves the Jazz for, for what it's worth. It's true. Uh, but like for me, like the, the thing with this team is that like they're not playing to form. Like there, there are things wrong with them where Eric Gordon has for a protracted period of time not been playing to form. Ryan Anderson very clearly is not back to himself. He played only, I think, seven minutes in this game, didn't score a point. Uh, and they're getting, not getting production just from their front court. They got five points out of Ariza, five points out of Tucker. They, they have to play Gerald Green more probably, which, you know, Gerald Green's fine, but like he's not the player he was. And that's not really what you're looking for when like you're talking about being a 60 some win team. Okay. Let's leave it there. That'll do it for this week's show. We'll keep an eye on all these series and talk to you again early next week. As always, our podcast producers are Tony Chow and Katie Ferguson. Our podcast commissioner is Chad Matlin. Please keep sending us your questions and comments at podcast at 538.com. We'd love to know what you think. Whatever your favorite podcasting app is, we are also there, whether it's the Listen tab of the ESPN app or on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe at iTunes.com slash 538. Be sure to review and rate the show. It helps others discover the program. For Kyle and Chris, I'm Neil. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.